This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Morning, everybody. Are you wide awake? Yeah, no, kind of trying to get there. Okay. Um, Well, as Diva said, my name is Ron. For those of you who are brand new, I'm the founding pastor of our church and uh, also the current interim lead pastor. So uh, apparently they thought I could do it better the second time around. So this is hopefully an improvement course. Um, It is my privilege to get to teach you this morning. Anytime people get together and they open their hearts and they say, God, would you teach me? I'm here to learn. I'm here to receive you into my life. I'm here so that you can change in me whatever needs to be changed in me. That's a great thing. I hope that that's what's in your heart today. If you're not a Jesus follower yet, that's a-okay. All of us have to find our way. And no matter where you are in finding your way to Jesus, it's okay. This is a church that's for everybody. And so I want to welcome you, those of you online. I know we have a growing online audience. I want to welcome you. And just as I have prayed for all of us who are here, I have also prayed for all of you watching online that this will be a day where God takes the spiritual needle in your life and moves it forward in some way. When I check out the date, this is 9-11. Does that ring a bell for anyone? Yeah. It should. But I want to say something about 9-11 and then I want to offer a prayer. But here's what I want to say about 9-11. Those of us in the United States, I think, might have a tendency to look at the events that took place more than 20 years ago that brought down the two towers in New York City and killed thousands of people. And I think we might have a tendency to look at that and go, oh, those wicked people. Who did that? Now, to be sure, the people behind that meant destruction. And they intended death. And they intended to bring grief and sorrow and pain and anguish to as many people as they could. I don't deny that. But for this morning... I would like to reframe those events in a broader context. When I look back at the events of 9-11, instead of thinking of the evil of the few, I am learning to see the brokenness of all. That's not the first time that somebody or several somebodies decided to bring destruction and grief and sorrow. If you study human history, it's an unbroken trail of that kind of stuff. Okay? 
And I would just like to say at the very beginning of what we're going to do this morning, okay? You might not have evil in your heart and you might not be a murderer. Probably you aren't. If you are, that's okay too. Okay? But here's what I want us to know. Every one of us begins this life from a platform of personal brokenness. Are you on board with that? That doesn't mean you're a terrible person. Okay? Jesus said it like this. Those who are well don't go to the doctor. Who goes to the doctor? The people who know they're sick, right? Yeah. And when you go to the doctor, does the doctor heap shame on you and go, I can't believe it. You got the flu. What's wrong with you? No. Because the doctor recognizes that our human bodies are susceptible to disease. Because there's a brokenness in our human bodies. Well, there's also a brokenness in our human spirit that results in all of us being sinners. And when people come to church, if the, if the pastor stands up here and goes, what's wrong with you? Why do you want to sin like that? That's not much of a message. But this morning we start and recognize we're all broken. We all struggle with sin. And that's okay. That's why there's a message of good news. Everybody on board with that? Does that make sense? Yeah. So let's offer a prayer for our broken world. God, as we reflect on the events of 9-11, we're reminded. It's such a vivid reminder of how broken our world is and how much our world needs a Savior and how much the kingdoms of this world need the kingdom of Jesus and the people of this world need the kingdom of Jesus. So God, would you work in powerful ways through churches and people, the people of churches all across the world to bring healing to the brokenness we all have. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to start a three part series. It's still about the kingdom of Jesus, but this is called the kingdom of Jesus. Find your place. This is an interim period for our church. For those of you who are brand new, we are between lead pastors. That's how I ended up with the title interim lead pastor. And I said a few weeks ago that we're not going to put the church on hold and wait for a new lead pastor to come, that the mission of our church is still as active today as it will be when we get a new lead pastor. And that means that there's a lot of things that we can and should be about during this interim period. And if we are willing to do certain things, this interim period for a church can literally be fantastic. And I think it will be. But there are two things that it will require from us. And the first is, it's going to require all of us to consider serving in ways we don't currently serve. That's why this sheet of paper we're sending home with you today. It tells you the total positions needed. It tells you how many are currently open. And so here's our goal as a church. 
over the next three weeks, if possible, and this really depends upon how you respond, we would like to fill every open volunteer position in our church. Are you on board with that? Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? Yeah, that is a very worthy goal. So that's the first thing. The second thing is something Diva talked about, and that is it's going to require all of us to consider giving at a level we're not currently giving because it will require some resources for us to do in ministry the things that God is calling us to do. And many of you are already giving. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But just because you're already given, giving doesn't mean you kind of get a free pass. I already give, but I don't get a free pass either. It's, it's up to all of us to consider giving at levels that we currently are not giving. If you're not giving at all, this would be a good time for you to say, you know what? I should and I could start supporting this church that I go to. And if you give already, and even if you give generously, you might take it to God and he might say, no, you're, you're good. I'm going to call other people to give more. You might go to God and he might say, you've been generous. Well, you know what? I'm pouring out a blessing into your life that's going to enable you to give more. You know, I, that's something you got to work out with God. But I do know that God will call us all into this thing together. And we're going to look at three topics about the kingdom of Jesus. This morning, we're going to look at the topic that the kingdom of Jesus is for you. Next week, we're going to look at the topic, the kingdom of Jesus is in you. That's an actual quote from Jesus. And we're going to take a look at what that might look like and feel like. And then the final week in this series, we're going to look at the topic, the kingdom of Jesus is through you. And what an honor it is to be used by God to do his work on this earth. Perhaps no misconception ha has kept more people from entering the kingdom of Jesus than this one single misconception. Take a look at it on the screen. The kingdom of Jesus isn't about what Jesus wants from you. It's about what? What Jesus wants for you. Huh. So often when, when the idea of church and Jesus and, and, and God and all that gets brought up, we go into this mode of, I got to keep all the commandments. I got to go work and, and serve. I got to give. And I got to do all this stuff and pretend that I like it. So the lightning won't strike me. But in my heart of hearts, this is not really what I want to do. It's sort of my eternal fire insurance policy. So that when I die, life will get better. Now, I, I get it. Religion does that to us. But if you think Jesus came to found a religion, you have actually fundamentally misunderstood Jesus. 
Look at his life. Jesus didn't do anything religious. He didn't wear different kind of clothes than normal people. Like religious leaders do. Jesus didn't build a temple and tell people they had to go to it. He actually was just out with the people and he taught them wherever they were. Jesus didn't give a whole list of commands and say, if you want to follow me, okay, here's your grocery list, start checking. No. Jesus didn't give a whole bunch of rituals that he called people to go through all the time in order to stay on God's good side. Religion does all that stuff. Jesus didn't do any of it. Because religion is all about what God wants from you. Jesus is all about what God wants for you. You see, there are two great unbroken threads that run all the way through the recorded history of God's interaction with people. And the recorded history of God's interaction with people is found in a book called the Bible. I know you've heard of it. Many of you own one. Maybe most of you own one. But the very beginning of the Bible is a section called Genesis. And the very end of the Bible is a section called Revelation. And from Genesis to Revelation, there are two great threads, great principles, great thoughts that you find on page after page after page. And the amazing thing is, they are thought to be parallel thoughts. But we're going to see in a few minutes, they actually become interwoven in the kingdom of Jesus. Come back next week and I'll tell you what they are. No, I'm teasing. I'm going to tell you this morning, all right? The first thought, and it's from page one to the end. Here it is on the screen. Heaven and earth have one ultimate king, and he is coming to earth. It's hinted at with Adam and Eve in the garden, way back in the beginning. It was made a little clearer to Abraham a few generations later. A few generations after that, a guy by the name of Moses, if you've ever seen the movie The Prince of Egypt or The Ten Commandments or any of those movies, they're about the life of Moses. God makes it clearer through Moses that heaven and earth have one ultimate king. Listen, this weekend was unprecedented because in Great Britain, the queen passed on and the United Kingdom has a new king, right? Yeah. Is that a big deal? That's a huge deal. But it's not nearly as big as the fact that no matter who the king of the United Kingdom is or any other king on this earth, Heaven and earth have one ultimate king. And that is a common thread. And 
And as great as that is, it gets even better. Heaven and earth have one ultimate king, and he's coming to earth. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. And you see it over and over again. Now, by the time you get to the Old Testament prophets, so if we were doing a timeline, here's Adam and Eve at the beginning. A few generations later, here's a guy by the name of Abraham. A few generations later, here's a guy by the name of Moses. A few generations later, here are several people called prophets. And in the prophets to the Jewish nation, God begins to reveal more and more about this ultimate king of heaven and earth who's actually going to come to earth. And I want to read to you a passage that sometimes we read at Christmas time because actually it's very appropriate because Christmas is the celebration of the first coming of the ultimate king of heaven and earth to earth. That's why Christmas is such a big deal. Notice what the prophet Isaiah said. A child is born to us. Whoa, 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 time out. That's where we get the first hint that Jesus, well, he's going to be a little different. He goes on to describe, a child is born to us, his son is given. Okay, okay, okay. A king and queen give birth to a son and he's going to be the next king. No, that's not how it works. Not in the kingdom of Jesus. He goes on to say, the government will rest on his shoulders. What government? Well, he's going to tell us in a minute. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. What are the next two words? Mighty God. That gives a little indication of what the kingdom might be. Everlasting what? Father. Prince of what? Not the prince of conquering. The prince of what? Peace. And his government and its peace will never end. And he will rule with fairness and justice. Wow. Heaven and earth have one ultimate king. And the prophets were saying, he is coming to earth. He's going to be born as a son. Okay. The Jewish nation understood this really well. They didn't understand what that king would be like. They didn't understand how he would rule. But they did get the idea that heaven and earth have one ultimate king and he is coming to earth. And there were three words, well, two that they associated with him and one that gets tagged on later. And here they are on the screen. And that is, they connected the word Messiah with him. And if you talk to Jewish people, they will continually talk about the Messiah. Okay? The word Christ. Messiah comes from a Hebrew word. Christ comes from a Greek word, but they literally mean the same thing. One has a Hebrew origin, one a Greek origin, and they mean the anointed one. And anointing was what happened when God sent a prophet to select a new king. He told the prophet to take a, a jar of oil and pour the oil over the head of the person who would be the next king, and they were anointed. It was a sign of God's presence coming into their life.
Now, most of us probably think that Christ was Jesus' last name. Right? He's Jesus Christ, like I'm Ron Hunt. That's not what that means. <laughs> okay? Or you might just think it's the rest of a phrase that you say when you hit your thumb with a hammer. Okay? If you read, actually, if you were to go back to the original language that the Bible was written in, it never says Jesus Christ. It says Jesus the Christ, always. It's Jesus, the anointed one of God, is literally what it means. But the Jews never connected the name Jesus with Messiah. In fact, I'll show you where that comes from. In this passage, now most of us might be familiar enough with the Christmas story to know that the Christmas story kind of begins with an angel coming to Mary, who's the fiancé of Joseph. And the angel says to Mary, Mary, I've got some great news for you. The Holy Spirit is going to come over you, and the Holy Spirit is going to conceive a child inside you. And that child is going to be born, and he will be the Son of God, because he has been fathered by the Spirit of God. That's another whole story um, that really complicated Mary's life, for sure. Um, meanwhile, her fiancé, Joseph, has a massive problem. How did my fiancé get pregnant? And I know I didn't do it. And she is trying to tell me God did this. That's, that's, a, that's a tough sell. <laughs> Is there any historical precedence for this? Nope. Yeah. Well, while Joseph is wrestling with this, the same angel comes to Joseph and here's the message. The angel said the child within her, Mary, was indeed conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son. Remember? What did Isaiah say? A son would be given to us. Yeah, she will have a son. And you are to name him what? Jesus. And then it goes on. The angel went on to say, for he will save his people from their sins. I'll get into the meaning of that in a minute. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, a virgin, and that was the same prophet Isaiah in a different passage. A virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God is with us. We're going to have so much fun with this during the Christmas season uh, as we explore just how much the coming of Jesus changed everything. But for this morning, I want us to go back to this common misconception that Jesus is all about what God wants from me instead of all about what God wants for me. Because in that passage, the angel gives us a giant clue about how the kingdom of Jesus is different from religion. 
And it's the part in yellow that you see up there. He will save his people from their sins. You see, here, here's, the, here's the deal we have to get. The king didn't actually come to rule like we think kings rule. Lay down the law. Tell people what to do. Punish evildoers. No, the king didn't come to, to rule. He came to what? He came to save. You see, the kingdom of Jesus is not primarily about what God wants from you or wants you to do. It's about what he wants for you. So that's the first unbroken thread. Let's go to the second unbroken thread that runs all the way from the very first pages of the Bible all the way to the end. And here it is on the screen. You are created in the image of God. Now, I know we're broken. I get that. But there is a peace in all of us, and we referred to this last week. And I just want to refresh your memories if you were here, and if you weren't here, I just want to give you this illustration. We really struggle with unity, and we really struggle with understanding that we are created equal, and we really struggle with this idea we're all created in the image of God until some tragedy strikes and you're driving down the road and the, and the vehicle in front of you is involved in a horrific collision and it spins through the air and you see a body or two come out and, and you park your car and you go running up there and you don't know what you're going to see. And when you get there, you don't ask any of the victims, what do you believe about Jesus? What nationality are you? Who'd you vote for in the last presidential election? How much money do you have? What gender are you? Do you even know what gender you are? We don't care. Because in that moment, all those things that sometimes divide us fade into insignificance because we recognize someone created in the image of God hangs between life and death, and we might be able to help them. On the first page of the Bible, it says this. God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I'm so glad God put that last little phrase on there because history has not been kind to the female gender. I just want to say that straight up. And I'm sorry. Because both male and female have been created in the image of God, equally. So here we have these two great threads. That heaven and earth have one ultimate king, and he's coming to earth. And the second grade thread is that every living human being has been created in the image of God. And those two great threads come together in human history in the kingdom of Jesus. And they become completely interwoven so that you could not separate them once they're bound together. And Jesus taught this, and I want to show you how he taught it. A guy came to Jesus one day and he was a highly esteemed 
religious leader. And for those of you who have either watched or been watching The Chosen, this guy's name was Nicodemus, all right? He comes to Jesus and he has all sorts of questions and he doesn't even get into his questions before Jesus gives him something to think about. Nicodemus comes and says, oh, Jesus, we know you're a man and come from God. Nobody can do the things that you do unless God is with him. And, and he's just landed on thick. And Jesus says, thanks, Nick. I got something for you to chew on. I tell you the truth. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Wow. Wow born again. Moses didn't talk about being born again. Abraham didn't talk about being born again. The Old Testament prophets didn't talk about being born. No one has ever talked about being, and Nicodemus is totally confused. He looks at Jesus and goes, kind of, in our language? What have you been smoking, man? How could you come up with that? I'm a big dude, and my mom is not going to be happy with that. You expect me to get back in my mother's womb? And be... Jesus, what are you talking about? Jesus explains it a little further, and this is where it gets really good for us. Take a look. Jesus said, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. And then Jesus lays this really important truth on Nick. Humans can reproduce only human life. Let's just stop right there. That's actually part of what makes the world go round. Did you know that? Okay. For all of you who have been pregnant and you went to the doctor or the hospital or the midwife or whatever it is that you chose as your birthing process, the one question you did not have in your mind the whole time was, man, I sure hope a human comes out. <laughs> I don't want to go through all this for a cat or a monkey or a snake. No. Humans reproduce only human life. Whoa, whoa. Time out. Let's go back to this great thread. You and I have been created in the image of God. Huh. Humans can't do that. Have you figured that out? Humans can reproduce only what? Human life. Not image of God life. Human life. Wow. Then he goes on to say, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. I said a while ago, you might not be a follower of Jesus, and that's okay. I'm not here to make you feel guilty about that. I'm not here to, to shame or guilt you into that. But I am here to invite you into the kingdom of Jesus because it's the greatest experience you could ever know in this life. And here's why. Take a look at the screen. In the same way, our physical bodies needed to be given birth in order for us to 
physically live. Our spiritual nature needs to be given birth in order for our spirits to come alive. So in the same way that when a child is conceived inside the mother's womb, there's life there and it begins to grow and develop. But until that child is given birth, it can't really live on its own. You, when you were conceived, were given the image of God as a human being. But that image lies dormant, waiting for it to be given birth by the Spirit of God so that your spirit can come alive and you can really live. Now, Jesus talked about that very clearly. Let's take a look at this and then we'll look at a passage. <coughs> when we open our hearts to Jesus and we trust him as our Savior and we choose to follow him with our lives, the Spirit of Jesus gives birth to our spirit and in the language of Jesus, we are born again. Paul wrote to the people in Corinth, and this is what he had to say. He said, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a what? A new person because this spirit is now, has now come alive in them. And he said, the old life is gone and a new life has come. And Jesus knew all of this. And so as he taught, he said this that you see on the screen. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it how? To the full. You know what Jesus is saying? If you and my friend have been born physically, but you've never been born spiritually, you're living half a life. And you could have the whole enchilada. You could. And the only way you get it, humans can reproduce only what? Human life. That's half. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So the first step in finding our place in the kingdom of Jesus, here it is, is choosing to enter his kingdom by choosing Jesus as our savior and leader. Friend, I can't explain the mechanics of how all this works because it's something God does. I don't do it. The church doesn't do it. It's not a, what shall I say, it's not a highly theological process. But I can tell you this, when you choose to follow Jesus and you begin walking in obedience to him and you decide to leave your life, uh, uh, the old way of life, and you open your heart and say, Jesus, would you come in and make me a new person? You know, this is why baptism is such a big deal at New Life. Because baptism, we usually do it right over here. That's why I'm pointing over here. Baptism is where we symbolize dying to our old life 
and being raised in this new life that only God can create in us. Okay? If you've never been baptized, we're, we have a baptism service that's coming up in a couple of months. If you want to get baptized before that, we would do it before that too. But I want you to consider the very first thing in finding your place in the kingdom of Jesus is saying, okay, I'm in. Jesus, I believe you are the one and only Savior of the world, that ultimate King of heaven and earth who has come to earth and, oh, by the way, who's coming again. I didn't even get into that today. I choose you as my leader in life. I choose you as my Savior, and that means I'm trusting that because of you, God will forgive my sins and God will begin to create a new person in me. It is literally being born again. There's a card you found on your chair, okay? And the top option is I'm choosing Jesus as my Savior and leader this morning. If you're ready to do that, Please check that, put your name and contact information, and, and we will get with you and lead you through a very simple process of how that works in your life. As we close, I want to point all of us to another verse of Scripture. And it's what sort of ties all of this together. And here it is on the screen. He died for everyone. That's Jesus. So that those who receive his new life. Can you tell that's what we've been talking about? Being born again, those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Sooner or later, most of us figure out that if all of our life is wrapped up into getting as many things as I can, that that's a pretty empty way to live. And we figure out there has to be more to life than this. And there actually is. Okay? Because when we live for ourselves, we're pretty unhappy. And when we learn how to live for a cause that's bigger and greater than ourselves, we, come, we become significantly more happy. And when that cause is the eternal cause of Jesus, we find fullness of life. So no longer live for ourselves. Instead, they will live for whom? For Christ who died and was raised for them. All of this is a what? Are you sure? What is that next word? All of this is a what? A gift from God. It's a gift because neither you nor I ever deserved this. But we're invited into it. Who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this wonderful task of reconciling people to him. That's what we do as a church. Take a look at this slide. The second step in finding our place in the kingdom of Jesus is finding our place of service for what purpose? So that other people can find their way to Jesus. This is why our goal over the next three weeks is to fill every volunteer position in our church. Because then our church can operate at full speed 
in helping people find their way to Jesus. Does that sound like a good thing? Sounds like a great thing. That's what we're going to do. So as we bring this to a close, there's a second option on here. And that is, if you say, I want to serve regularly in the kingdom of Jesus at New Life, if you'll give us your contact information, look, I'm not going to get on the phone and call you in and try to strong arm you into serving in some area. That would be so counter to the way Jesus operates. But you know what? Everyone who works in the kingdom of Jesus is a willing volunteer. Okay? And it starts, my service in the kingdom of Jesus started with me raising my hand to Jesus and saying, I'll serve. Where do you want me to serve? And the rest of my life has been the unfolding of that answer. That's what God wants for you. Because I can tell you, nothing in your life will ever compare with the feeling of knowing that God is using you to make a difference in somebody else's life. Just doesn't get any better than that. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you that you have given us the opportunity to be born again, that that piece of you on the inside of us that lies largely dormant can come to life through new birth by the Holy Spirit as we come to accept Jesus as our Savior and the leader of our lives. That's a gift from you. And we are here to receive that gift in its fullness. Holy Spirit, we're reminded that it's you who gives birth to the Spirit in us. And so, as we consider what this might look for us, like in our lives, we're going to have a prayer sung over us that welcomes you, Holy Spirit, into this place and into our lives. Thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.